15. Luke chapter 15. I want to preach to you out of a pretty familiar passage of Scripture. If you've been in church for any length of time, which I take most of us have been. I, I see uh, everybody here tonight. I see just about every service. So you've been in church for some length of time anyway. And that's a great blessing. But I want to preach to you about from the passage that deals with this prodigal son. And I want to try to preach a message tonight about how to get right with God, how to get right with God. And to do that, I'm, I'm going to do my best to try to describe to you, give you a picture, if you will, uh, uh, not a, a painting. I'm no Picasso, but I'm going to try and give you a picture with words about what a backslider looks like. You say, Brother Nathan, I know what a backslider looks like. Well, let's look in Luke chapter 15 and we'll see if we can get a portrait here this evening. Let's pray and then we'll take a look in the scriptures. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us tonight. Lord, we thank you, God, for this missionary and his family, God, being with us. Lord, thank you for these testimonies. God, thank you, Lord, God, for calling these folks, Lord, into this work. And I pray, God, that you'd bless them and help them. God, I pray that you'd, uh, God, give them, Lord, your touch. Lord, give them your power. Lord, we know, God, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, God, Lord. And we pray, God, that, Lord, you'd let them see fruit for their labor as they go. Lord, pray that you'd give them, Lord, the support that they need in a hurry, God, Lord. I believe with all of my heart we don't have much time left, God, before you come. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us, God, to be looking in that direction. And, Lord, help us, God, to labor as hard, God, and as faithfully as we possibly can. And we pray that same, God, for these folks, Lord, that graciously visited with us tonight. Lord, we pray, God, for the preaching tonight. Lord, pray that you'd speak to hearts. God, Lord, thank you, God, for the folks, Lord, that are here. I pray that you'd minister to them. God, give them what they need, Lord. Only you know, God, all the different needs that are represented here this evening. God, just pray, Lord, that you do as you see fit, Lord. A lot of folks, Lord, not here this evening, God, for whatever reason, as has been already mentioned. Lord, just pray that you'd minister to them, God, and help them, Lord. We'll thank you for it. God, bless the preaching tonight, we pray. God, be with us even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 15, I think you know the story, so I'm not going to spend the time to read from verse 11 all the way down to 32. I think you're pretty familiar with the passage. I know that I myself have preached out of this passage, but I do want to draw out a couple of things. Let me just remind you of the story very quickly. There's a certain man, according to verse 11, and he has two boys, and one is obviously older than the other, so he's got this uh, older son, and he's got this younger son, and the younger son comes to this father, and he says, listen, I'm ready to jet. I'm ready to go sow my wild oats, and he says, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And so, you know, the Bible says here that he, he split up his living. That was his daddy's, that was daddy's living. And he split it up and he gave it to them two boys. And then the boy got out there and he squandered all that that his father gave to him. And then it wasn't very long after he squandered it, here came a famine. Just by chance. That, that's how it works for us. That, that's how it works for Christians. We get to a place to where we, well, hey, I'm ready to go. Uh, March out on my own, Lord. Uh, why don't you give me everything that's coming to me? The Lord give you a little bit, put a little money in your pocket, and you get out, and lo and behold, just as soon as you do, COVID comes up. Mm -hmm. And then people start getting laid off. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that take place, but COVID's the freshest thing on our mind as far as a, uh, something on a worldwide scale. And boy, boy, when, when jobs start going everywhere and things start going downhill, boy, it really... Well, man, maybe I wasn't so ready like I thought I was. And that's where this boy got. And then finally he got to a place to where he was so hungry. He said, you know what? 
it's better. It's better back at daddy's house. I'm going to go home. And he said, I'm going to see if my daddy will let me come back home and serve. And uh, to just abbreviate a little bit, he gets back home. And when he gets home, you know the story. His daddy has mercy on him. His daddy has compassion. It's not just mercy, but it's compassion. He has some sympathy on the boy. He doesn't make excuses for him, but he loves his boy. Hey, if you had a boy, listen, I, I got two boys sitting in here somewhere. Well, I got one laying down and one sitting in here. And I got a, my little girl. If, she, if one of those kids took off and said, hey, I'm done with you, daddy, and then turned around and came home a little while later, Boy, I'd, I'd be more than thrilled. I'd be more than joy to receive him back. And that's where this boy was. And when he comes back, when he comes back, though, not everybody's happy to see him. Old brother. Old big brother. Big brother's watching you, they used to say. I, I guess maybe they still say that. Uh, maybe that was a TV show. I don't know. But somebody was watching, and this brother heard the noise of the music, and he heard the dancing. He, hey, what's this big ruckus going on down back at home? I don't remember no family reunion being scheduled this weekend. And he gets up there, and they said, well, your younger brother's come home, and your daddy's filled the, he's killed the fatted calf. And, boy, we're having a good old time. And the Bible says that his, his brother wouldn't even go in. Wouldn't even go say hello to him. And daddy comes out, hey, boy, what's your problem? I mean, he was a lot more nice than that. He said, what, what's the matter? He said, well, he said, I served you all this time, and you ain't never done nothing like this for me. Where's my party? So I can have a good time with all my buddies. And uh, daddy said, you got buddies? I mean, no, he said, he said, he said, well, you, you, your younger brother, he said, he's been gone for a long time. And he said, boy, he's safe and sound. And he said, it's meat that we make merry. And that was about the end of the story. That's all you hear. And so what I want to preach to you tonight about, like I said, is how to get right with God. And you'd look at this young guy, and I think it's very well understood. This, this young son is a picture of a backslider. Really, in all actuality, he's a picture of a lost man. But tonight, I'm going to apply it as a, as a backslider. But I, I want to propose to you tonight that he's not the only backslider in the family. Uh, this, this daddy, listen, this daddy had two boys. One left. It's clear he's a backslider. One never left. But he was just as much a backslider as the boy that left. Now listen, he didn't get engaged in some of the stuff that the older boy or the younger boy got engaged in who left. He didn't get out there and waste his daddy's inheritance and he didn't blow his money. And you know, he didn't get down there in a hog pen. He didn't do all that stuff, but he had just as much a bad attitude as the boy that left. See, we, we get in this mindset as Christians that backsliding has to do with a geographical location. You know, if I'm a backslider, that means I'm sitting on a bar stool, which if you're sitting on a bar stool and you say you're saved, uh, you either lost or you are backslidden. Make no mistake about it. Christians are not supposed to go to the bars. Uh, I'm just down there playing pool. Go play pool somewhere else. Uh, buy, you, buy you a pool table and put it in your house. Invite all your non-drunkard friends over. Uh, amen, that's right. Uh, don't, don't, don't do that. Uh, but backsliding is not just a geographical location. Uh, getting in some particular place, we, we think, well, so long as I've not left church and so long as I'm still sitting on the pew and so long as I'm still singing His love lights the way and so long as I'm still singing Jesus loves me in amazing grace, everything's hunky-dory. But it's not hunky-dory. What you got in this situation is you got a daddy who's got one boy who's backslidden and leaves 
and then he's got one back, he's got another boy that's backslidden, but he never leaves. And he's just as much as got a heart of the devil as the younger boy does. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Look at what this younger, younger son says. The Bible says here in verse 12, the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me. That's how you know somebody's starting to backslide. Give me. Give me. Hey, what's in it for me? What about me? Uh, oh, Patch the Pirate. We, somebody gave us a, a CD of Patch the Pirate. You say, I don't know who Patch the Pirate is. I think the guy's name was Ron Hamilton and uh, graduate of Bob Jones University. And he had a real knack for writing songs. And he's got this lady in there who sings a song, It's All About Me. It's all about me. It's all about me. And that's, that is the motto. That's the mantra, unfortunately, of a lot of professing Christians. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. Come into a church and it's not comfortable in here. Uh, how come we got to sing those songs? How come he's got to preach that sermon? How come she's got to wear that dress? How come he has to wear those pair of pants? Or how come he's wearing overalls? Or how come he's wearing a suit and tie? I, I've heard testimonies. I, I have heard testimonies of folks that have gone to church been invited to a particular church, not too far from here actually, but had been invited to a particular church and went into that church and uh, this person was uh, uh, disproportionate in their anatomy and somebody in the church allegedly, a, uh, a member of the church began to make fun of them about how they were shaped. Not a lady, by the way, it was a fellow. Uh, and... and Made jokes about their backside. I try not to be too indiscreet, but I want you to understand what I'm talking about because I'm going to make a point. My point is this. If you're worried about how somebody's shaped in that regard, you have serious problems. Your problem is that you don't have a life. Hey Amen. That, that's true. You need to. Uh, what difference? Hey, what difference does it make how, how big somebody is or how skinny somebody is or what clothes they're wearing? It don't make no difference. That stuff does not make, it, it doesn't make any difference. It shouldn't make any difference to you. Why in God's name somebody would come to church and make fun of people over that stuff? I, I don't, that blows my mind. That, that blows my mind. I guess what that is, is that somebody who's sitting in the church and saying, give me. Give me. Give me. Give me. Give me. Hey, what's this church got to offer to me? I'll tell you what this church has to offer to you. Exactly what the Lord gave us. The gospel. Truth. Uh, the, the church is not to be an organism of programs. The church is supposed to be according to Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 3, I believe it is. It is. It is. With whatever you try to make it to be, whatever any preacher tries to make it to be, the church is the pillar. Pillar. That's something that holds something up. It's the pillar and ground of the truth. That, that is the business of the church. Listen, when, when we get to a place in the world and we get into a place in this country to where the truth cannot be seen anywhere else, 
The church should still be sounding out the truth. The church should still be telling people the old, old story. It should be, still be preaching exactly what the Bible says, regardless of what anybody thinks, regardless of how anybody feels about it, because this is the pillar and ground of the truth. It's not, it's not about your preferences. It's not about my preferences. It's not about how you'd like things or what this church has to offer to you. The church, listen, the church has been in existence for 2,000 blessed years. And it's got along just fine without me. It got along just fine without you. And when we're dead and in the grave and the worms are eating our carcass, the church will still roll so long as Christ has not come back yet. The church will still roll because it's God's church. It's not about give me. It's not about give me. It's not about give me. You know what a give me attitude is? That's the attitude of a backslider. That's a, that's a man who's backsliding. That's a man who's backsliding. Yes, sir. His attention's on himself. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. Uh, Brother Mark uh, come through and he said years ago, I haven't heard him say it in a long time, but he said it and I've never forgot it. He said, a man who's wrapped up in himself is a small package. That's a God's honest truth. That's a God's honest truth. You find a man who all he thinks about is himself. You find a woman who all she thinks about is herself. You find a teenager who all they think about is themselves. You find a youngin who all they think about. Hey, you know, it comes natural to us to think about ourselves. Uh, you take little three-year-old baby and put them in a nursery. If, they, if they're talking yet, I, I lose track of when babies start talking. I just, I don't know. I let my wife worry about that stuff. And now all mine's talking, so I forgot about all that information. But whenever they start talking, you put them in a nursery and put another baby in there and let that baby take something out of their hands. And what will come out of their mouth is, that's mine. That's mine. That's the vocabulary of a lot of people that say they're Christians. That's mine. That's mine. Hey, you know what the characteristic of the early church was? Hey, when they started getting saved in the book of Acts and God started adding people to the church, you know what they did? They sold everything that they had. And they took their money and started dispersing it as according as people had need. That's not socialism. That was God moving on people's hearts. You know what a socialist is trying to do? They're trying to do something that only the Holy Ghost of God can do. Socialism wants to force that. And listen, once you force that, you don't make, you don't make people rich. You make everybody poor. But when a man gives of his own free will accordingly because it's in his heart, he might be poor on the outside, but God lays up riches for him in heaven. Yes, sir. That's a great blessing. That's a great blessing. Backslider says, give me, give me. Backslider and heart will be filled with his own ways. This boy left. He left. He said, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. You know where, what he went out there to do? He went out there to find somebody that was as thrilled about him as he was. Ain't I so awesome? I, uh, I, for the first time in a long time, I spent some time looking at uh, college football 
I think it was Sunday night because I made a wisecrack about college. I made a wisecrack about NFL, and I made the statement, nobody around here watches the NFL. So I looked up college football, something about the uh, Florida, Florida Gators or Georgia Bulldogs. They're all the same to me. <laughs> uh, just waiting to see whose blood was going to boil. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, I distracted myself with that. Oh, but you know one of the things that I can't stand, I can't stand about NFL football players is when they catch a football, they run around and strut around like they did something real awesome. You know, a man that's over fighting a war in the Middle East or a man that fought a war in Vietnam or a man that fought a war in Germany or France or somewhere like that. I'm talking about our boys. You know, they just do it and they just tuck their head down low and, you know, years later, they might get a medal for it. They might not, but they did it because that's what duty required of them. But you get these cocky fools out there on a football field and catch a piece of pig skin, and boy, they really did something, didn't they? And they get out there. And, and what they're doing is they're trying to get you to get as excited about them as they are. Uh, you know, if all of the fans in one of those football stadiums did what most people do on a Sunday morning to the preacher in church, there ain't one of them guys that would keep working. There ain't one of them. I say working, keep playing. He ain't working. He playing. He's still in high school. That's right. That's right. Get out there. Oh, yeah. I'm so bad. I'm so awesome. Yeah. And all the people standing up there in the stands going. That's about what they do while you preach Sunday morning. Uh, or it's like this. You say, what are they doing? Looking at that. Uh, we should just take it and put it up here so you don't have to get a crank in your neck. Ain't that right? What they're doing is they're looking for somebody to be as impressed with them as they are. I really like me. And you know what a backslider will do? He'll wait until he finds another backslider. Yes, sir. He'll wait until he finds another backslider because, uh, you know, birds of a feather. I was trying to think of the saying. My mama used to say, birds of a feather flock together. This backslider, you can take a youth group, we don't have a very big youth group here, but you can take a youth group, fill it with about 20, 25, 50 kids, and the two backslidden teenagers are like magnets, man. They will find each other, and they'll break off into a little whatever, and just be backsliders together. You know why they do that? You know why they do that? Because one backslider in his backslidden state, is justifying the other backslider. Well, see, he's doing it too. He, he just like me. She just like me. I mean, what's wrong, what's wrong with what we're doing? And what makes it even worse? What makes it even worse? And I say worse. What makes it better in the mind of the backslider is when a backslider comes up next to him and is successful. It looks like they're successful. Got a pocket full of money. Huh? Got some big fancy job. Because now the, the little backslider can look over there and say, well, see, he's doing what I'm doing, and look at, look at how it's turning out for him. It's not so bad. That's why carnal people like Hollywood. 
Yeah, I, I, I figured it, it wouldn't go very far there. But that's true. I didn't say you can't watch movies. I didn't, uh, of course, maybe you shouldn't. I'm not going to pull that away. Maybe you should put down the television and get outside and throw a football. Just don't prance around like a chicken with your neck broke. Yeah, uh, do something. Do something with your life instead of staring at a screen. But regardless, regardless, a lot of people like Hollywood because, well, hey, man, they're, you know, adulterers and they're turning out okay. Hey, they're blasphemers. They're turning out okay. Yeah, but what, they, what you haven't seen is the fact that, you know, they've been married 19 times. I mean... Uh, I have to be careful and want to be modest and discreet, but that, that's ridiculous. Let me just leave it that way. That, that's ridiculous. Uh, you don't have enough character. A man that doesn't have enough character, a man that makes his living playing in a sandbox, that's what Hollywood is. It's a sandbox. He's he playing in his imagination. Somebody sat down and wrote words on paper and said, you say this. And, you know, you jump out a window and shoot 15 people on the way down and you'll make a million point six million dollars, you know, for one year, what, however that stuff works. I don't know because I don't care. I don't, I don't mess around with that stuff because those are not my heroes. Amen. 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 Uh, God help the young man and God help the young lady who spends her whole life worshiping guys like uh, Brad Pitt and Tom Hanks, uh, Tim Allen. Now, I have to say Tom Hanks and Tim Allen because I, I know they were on Toy Story and that's about the extent of my movies. <laughs> if I could think of some other guys, Clint Eastwood, but I know that's old. That doesn't appeal to the, who's Clint Eastwood? Uh, Liam Neeson or uh, whatever his name is. Some, some folks worship that stuff. And the only reason that they worship that stuff is because, well, see, they're living that way. Why can't I? They got lots of money. I can go that same way and it'll be okay with me too. No, it's not going to be okay. It's not okay with them. Backslider in heart's going to be filled with his own way. Backslider's best friend are those who agree with him about how great he is. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You want to know how to stay on a backslider's good side? This is really supposed to be a message about how to get right with God. But I, I want to paint this picture for you because this will help you understand some things, believe it or not. You want to know how to stay on the good side of a backslider? Just don't disturb his mental image of himself of how wonderful he is. That's why backsliders hate church. You know what church does? It glorifies the Lord and doesn't do anything for a fella but expose him for what he is. Uh, one of my points that I forgot to make, let me go ahead and make it right here. You got two different representations of people in the passage. A boy who left and a boy who stayed. But both of them was just as backslid as the other. Huh? That about describes every single one of us. Oh, Brother Nathan, I'm right with God. No, <laughs> probably not. Brother Nathan, I ain't never done this. Okay. Neither did he. Good man. Just remember that. Just remember that. Uh, uh, I'm not your father. You got a heavenly father. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about being right with a preacher. We're talking about being right with your wonderful Savior, with your wonderful God. Yes, sir. Backslider. Let me get back to this where I was in my notes. Backslider's best friends are those who agree with him about how great he is. That's called flattery, by the way. 
Hey, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, especially you fellas, because that's who it's written to in the book of Proverbs. You better watch out for flattery. You better watch out for flattery. You know how flattery often comes to a man according to Proverbs? A smooth talking woman. The Bible says that the end of her, her ways is sure enough death. Oh, you're so handsome. I'd feel like I need to wash my mouth out with Irish Springs even saying something like that. I wasn't talking to anybody. Didn't even look at nobody. That feels weird. Hey, man, I was born this way. That's right. Uh, it's called flattery. You better watch out. Hey, you fellas sitting right here in the church pew, never got out and drank a beer. Right? Right? Never got out and drank a bit. Never took a drag off a little doobie. Whatever that, that is. Never done any of that stuff. Somebody come up to you and say, oh, you're so godly. You're so wonderful. Well, you ain't never drank. You ain't never smoked dope. But I'd be careful about taking that too far. Just be careful. Hey, take it as encouragement. Hey, hey, stick in there, my brother. You're doing a good job. You act like them football players that way. <sighs> yeah. And then forget about it. As soon as you walk away, just forget about it. Because what will happen is somebody, that will mess you up just as sure enough as you sitting here. Oh. Hey, when I first became the youth pastor at this church, there were some girls that was here that came from a pretty bad background. And uh, uh, not doing pretty well now, as a matter of fact, as I think about it. But they came from a pretty well, pretty bad off background and they came to this church. And there was another family that was here and they were perfect. Never did anything wrong. Yes, sir. That was the way that it was looked at. And I took control of that. Brother Mike uh, gave me that teen Sunday school class and I got back there and teaching and I went to this family, went to one of these girls and I said, hey, I said, I want you to make a bulletin board. Uh, not really a bulletin board, but, you know, decorate a little thing. You know, one of these little cork boards. I want you to decorate this little thing and, uh, you know, just put something on it. You know, we'll put up announcements up there and little scripture verses and all that. This girl said, okay. And when I came back the next service, Brother Mike grabbed me and he said, come with me. And he went right back there to that bulletin board and he pointed up there and he said, this cannot stay. I think he thought I had intended it to be that way. And what was up on that bulletin board was uh, two columns, godly and carnal. And under the carnal column, it was things like uh, dyed hair and, you know, uh, I forget what all it was. And this was natural hair. And it was little stuff like that. And what this girl had done is she had taken this, this little billboard and used it as an opportunity to take pot shots at the other girls in the church. You say, what would you do, Brother Nathan? I went right to that girl and I said, hey, that's not what I had in mind. You're going to have to take that down. Next Sunday, her mama, her mama, her mama, not her daddy, her mama comes to me. Uh, she's not going to be in the Sunday school class. Well, why not? Well, she got her feelings hurt. How come she didn't think nothing about the other girl? How, how come she didn't think nothing? See, she didn't care about the other girl. What she cared about was, hey, this is my opportunity to show how spiritual I am. And when somebody said, hey, you can't use that as a platform to glorify yourself. That's not what was the purpose. You can't do that. 
well, now my feelings are hurt, and I'm not coming back to your Sunday school class. Okay. We had a pretty good Sunday school class after she quit coming. You said, Brother Nathan, that's a little bit rough. It is a little bit rough, but she didn't think nothing about. And I tell you what was going on. It wasn't that little girl. It was mama. It was mama driving the thing. It was mama. And you know, it was mama driving the thing because daddy would never say anything. And if daddy said something, he was a little, little timid about things. He's one of those kind of fellas when you come to the door and want to talk to the man. Uh, he said, let me go get my wife. You say, where are they at now? Well, that family's divorced. Kids is all busted up. I think, I think one of the kids is actually doing something. I think one of the boys is preaching. I don't want to be unjust about that stuff and misrepresent them. I, but I know this, that particular girl, that particular girl who did that stuff, I think she got shacked up with a fella. She was running around with some lesbians at one time. Super spiritual, wasn't you? See, this is real, folks. This is not a game. This is, this is not something to where we just get engaged in so that we can feel good about ourselves. This is really about being right with God. Yes, sir. It's about being right with God. Yes, sir. You better watch out for that stuff. You better watch out for that stuff. Yes, sir. Give me, he said, the portion of goods that falleth to me. Somebody that gets backslid quickly gets turned around on what's mine, my stuff, my stuff. God forbid a preacher preach to a backslidden Christian about tithing. You know that tithing is not even in the New Testament. I preach that you should tithe as a principle. But we're not under the law. You know what the... You know what the the principle of giving in the New Testament is you give as you can give cheerfully. And so a lot of people use that and say, well, you know, I can only give 1% cheerfully. Well, honey, you got yourself a problem because every man in the Old Testament found it in his heart. And hey, really, there's some folks in the New Testament that found it in their heart to give more than 10%. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's all about me. Well, what about missionaries? Huh? What about lost people hearing the gospel? Hey, what about all of your fellow knuckleheads that sit in a church with you? I say fellow knuckleheads because you're just as much a one as they are. I know you look at them and get aggravated with them, get upset with them, but they're just like you. Hey, before I get too mad with God's people, hey, you're just like me. You say, where you get that from? There's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. Yes, sir. We all made of the same stuff. Dirt. <laughs> oh, I meant to boost your self-image there. I did my best. Backslider's motto is, what about me? You say, well, Brother Nathan, that's the younger brother. Well, look right here in verse 29. This is the elder brother. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. See, he got the same attitude. But because he never went out to the far country, he thinks he got it all down. What, what it amounts to, what it amounts to is people don't give a rip. People don't give a rip what God thinks about them. They care about what you think about them. 
hey, as long as I can save face with you, this is what's in the mind of a backslider. As long as I can save face with you, it don't matter to me at all what God thinks. People's not even thinking about what God thinks. You know, God, the Bible said when you open that book, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible said that book is reading you and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When you're reading that Bible, that Bible is reading what's going on down in your heart. You say, Brother Nathan, he's speaking metaphorically. I believe it's for real. The Bible said, the Bible said in the book of Romans, the scripture saith unto Pharaoh. I understand that's talking about Moses, but it's not by chance that he said the scripture. And then not too much, uh, sometime after that, all of what Moses says gets put in to written form. God, God is using his book to look at you. God is using his book to deal with you. God is using his book to try and get a hold of your heart. God's watching. God's watching. God's interested in what's going on way down there in your heart. Uh, let me say this about the backslider, and then we'll get into how to get right with the Lord. Uh, a backslider, all he wants to do is just get away from the Father. That's all he wants to do. He just wants to get away from the Father. And you know, they don't all go to the far country. Some of them go just right down the street to another church. My daddy told me something years ago, and I have never forgot it. I think I've said it here in this church. Uh, my daddy said, he said, you mark it down. He said, whenever somebody leaves a church wrong, he said, they will always, always go to a more carnal church church. I've been alive for just a short 30 some years, 34 I think, 35 I'll be in March, just a young guy. But in those short 34 years, I have never seen that to be untrue. I have seen people leave churches right. You know where they go? They go to churches that are just like the one that they left or better. Well, Brother Nathan, he uh, trying to hold people here at People's Baptist. No, sir. No, sir. Hey, find you a good church and go. Hey, I recommend if you're going to move, if you're going to move, find you a church. Find you a good church before you go. Hey, some folks wouldn't dare. Some folks wouldn't dare. Now, in the military, I can kind of understand you in the slight predicament there. Uh, you don't have time or you don't have the opportunity to check with your chief or, you know, your sergeant and say, hey, uh, I'd like to find me a church. <laughs> uh, the United States is calling. You're just going to have to go. I recommend finding a church. But, you know, there's a lot of folks that wouldn't dream of going to a new place, moving to a new location without having a job and a place to live. Come and tell the pastor, hey, I'm getting ready to go. Well, where are you going to go to church? Well, I don't know. Well, don't you think that's important? Praise be to the Lord. Thank God. Uh, my family, we, dad, my dad was the pastor here. We moved to Virginia. When we moved, the first thing, right before we moved, you know what my dad did? I had no input on this. This is what my daddy did. You know what my daddy did? He found a church. We moved from Virginia to Delaware. When we moved to Delaware, you know what we did before we left? We had a church. You say, why? Because it's that important. It's that important. It's that important. It's really that important. 
I recommend finding you a church. I recommend. Uh, yes, sir. They don't all go to a far country. Some folks just change church membership. Some folks, they just, you know, go down, find them a church where the ladies can wear, you know, yogurt pants and, you know, nobody going to say anything to them about that. And we'll have them a little, we'll have us a little ladies meeting with the ladies standing up there with a pixie haircut and yoga pants. And, you know, God forbid anybody say anything about that. Hmm. Well, we're going to go down here to the, with the raging moose or whatever it is, a Christian rock band. God help you if you have a Christian band that's called something with a moose. <laughs> Brother Nathan, are you making fun of them? Yes. Yes, I sure am. I sure am. It don't even, it don't even part way resemble that of a Christian. Some guy sitting in there behind the drums. Look like you just went to a KISS concert. Some of y'all don't even know who KISS is. That's okay. You don't need to know. It'd be all right. Yes, sir. Put that stuff in church and then Christians would get mad with a preacher and get mad with their little local church and pack up and go somewhere else and say, well, you know, I just don't feel like I'm getting fed around here. Well, I guess that's because we don't have the right diet for you. Hey, a kid who has, a kid who has a flavor for Little Debbie's, I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about the snack cakes. A kid who's got a taste for Little Debbie's is going to sit down at a table with grits and eggs and bacon and sausage and gravy, biscuits. They're going to sit down at that table and go, ugh. If y'all sit down at a table with all that stuff on it you're in, and say, ugh, you're insane. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, a lot of that right taste. Are we under conviction over here? <laughs> uh, let me preach against these chicken nuggets for just a second. Uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, hey, hey, there's something to be said. There's something to be said for having a, a taste for a good diet. There really is. That has to be cultivated, though. It sure does. It has to be cultivated. And... Mamas and daddies, let me just jump on this for a second. What you do, what you feed your kids is your business. I'm not going to give you, make this gospel law. But mamas and daddies do their kids a great disservice by letting them eat sweet tarts and Skittles and M&Ms and living on that stuff. It's, it's not just a disservice because of their health, but it's a disservice because that kid's really missing life. Hey, one of the greatest blessings is to see my kids sit down at a table and say, pass me that salad. I like it. I like it. Take it. <laughs> yes, sir. It's the same way in church. Hey, when are we going to have a, a, a gospel sing in here? Probably never. Are you against gospel music? No, not at all. I like gospel music. I don't listen to a lot of it because I spend most of my time listening to preaching. If I listen to some or teaching. If I listen to something, that's what I usually listen to. I don't have nothing against gospel music. I like gospel music with banjo and a guitar. I don't want them singing about their wife leaving them. <laughs> yes, sir. But, hey, you know what? You know, it's a great blessing to me to be in a church to where we don't ever get asked that. Hey, when's the next revival we're having? Hey, who's the next preacher coming in? When you got another missionary scheduled? That's a diet that has to be cultivated. But if you backslid, that's not what you're interested in. 
Well, if you backslidden, what you're interested in is, oh, well, how can I get away from the Father as quickly as I can and save face while I'm doing it? Yes, sir. Boy, we could preach a long time, but I wanted to let you all out so you can get a hamburger. Yes, sir. Don't matter. It doesn't matter to this backslider where he goes just as long as it's away from, from God. Father's house, unfortunately, feels like a prison to a lot of people. You know why? Because down at the Father's house, it's all about the Father. <laughs> uh, you grew, I, hope, I hope you had the privilege of growing up in a home like that. Growing up in a home where Daddy said, I don't care what you think. I care about what I think. That's a great, that's a great blessing. When I got a little bit older, my dad began to give me a lot of liberty. I appreciate it. But when I was a young, when I was a young and it was my daddy said, hey, this is the way we're going to do it. He wasn't a jerk about it. He wasn't unkind, but he was straight. My mama acted like she was a little bit more straight than daddy. <laughs> I think that's just because we was around mama more. Daddy worked, uh, you know, uh, four o'clock in the morning to four o'clock in the afternoon job. I, I don't know how long it was that he worked, but seemed like a long time. This is such a horrible place. Well, why? Why don't you like it? I had a brother. I have a brother, and I love him to death. But my brother ran away from home when he was 15 because he's smarter than mom and daddy. That's mm-hmm. uh, an education in and of itself. You know why he ran away? Because mom and daddy made house, home like a prison. That's what he felt like. You know why? Because it was about the father. And I say the father, it was about my dad, Steve Ivory, but really it was about the Lord. We had a home to where my mom and daddy had some principles. They had some standards. I told you before, my mama didn't even let us watch Ninja Turtles. Power Rangers, no, sir. You say, well, what's wrong with it? I have no idea, but we never watched it. <laughs> go, go Power Rangers, I think, is about the most I ever got out of that stuff. <clears throat> Little seven-year-old boy sneaking behind mama's back. What are you doing? I'm watching Power Rangers. <laughs> mm-hmm. My mom and daddy had some principles. But to a kid that wants to just do what he wants to do, you know what I found out? You know what I found out? My dad came to me one day. He started having some trouble with my brother. And my dad came to me one day and he said, listen. He said, as long as you show me that you can make right decisions, he said, I'll give you as much liberty as I possibly can. He said, the moment you start making bad decisions, he said, I am obliged to yank the leash back. I said, I I never forgot that. I never forgot that. And I did not always make good decisions. And he did yank the leash back a time or two. But I tried. And he did what he said he'd do. You know why a lot of people feel like this way that we live, this Christian way? You know why they feel like, oh, you guys are just, you're fuddy-duddies. You're sticks in the mud, man. Y'all don't ever live? No, we are living. Man, we're having the time of our life. We, We love. We don't do this because we have to. We do it because we want to. You know how many churches there are across the United States tonight that have 300 people on Sunday morning, and when Wednesday night rolls around, they can't even find 25 You say, what's wrong? They don't want to go. 
If, you, if people don't want to go to church, you ain't going to make them go. You're, not, you're just not going to make them go. Doesn't mean you should quit preaching about it. But you're just not going, you're not going to make people go if, if they don't want to. People, people here this evening, maybe some of you is backslid. I don't know. I'm preaching this message for a reason. But people sit in a place like this and they hate this way that we live because it's all about the Father. It's all. Just get me out of here just as fast as I can. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This boy, this elder brother, he's the same way. What about me? He's still there. He's still around the Father. But you know what's going on? The story ends before he leaves. But he's on his way out. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. If you're sitting in here this evening and it's all about you, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. And listen, I can tell you, I can tell you something about being a preacher's kid. I can tell you something about being raised in church and sliding into a routine and just going through the motion. Boy, I done bloodied my finger. I can tell you something about going through the routine and just going through the motions and just doing, hey, this is just what we do. And boy, it just kind of get to a place to where I hate this way that we live. I don't like this. It's not going to be very long before you're on your way out. I've seen better. I've seen more dedicated young preacher boys than me. Started preaching when I was 12 years old. Seen them grow right up on the church pew, sitting next to me. Not just in this church, in every church I've been in. You say, where are they out tonight? I don't know. Not in church. It's about, it's about the Father. Let me say this, and then we'll get into the real message. It'll be short, I promise. The Bible said Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. You remember the Bible said that? You know he never was in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve got put in the Garden of Eden. God said, don't eat of the fruit of that tree. That whole situation, what got us into the situation that we're in now, sinners, that came about because Eve was over there talk, having a conversation with the devil where God already gave her answers, right? Well, here we are. God had to drive them out of that perfect place. God had to drive them out of that paradise. But when Cain gets out there, Cain does that stuff with his brother, the Bible said Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. He went away. God, in his mercy and his grace, followed Adam and Eve, apparently, out there, out of the garden. In his mercy, in his grace, Cain said, I just want to get away. I just don't want to be around this stuff no more. You know what got him to that place? One question. Am I my brother's keeper? Right after that question, God says, hey, your brother's blood's crying to me from the ground. It's not just a couple verses later. The Bible said that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and built a city. Look, he's so successful. Look at this great big company that he has. He's a great big CEO of this great, enormous company. Yeah, but the presence of God is nowhere in his life. What got him there? Am I my brother's keeper? You know what gets a lot of Christians backslid? That attitude. I don't care about him. Because it's what about me? It's about me. That's the attitude of backslide. I don't care about him. Hey, there's a young guy in your church. He's a preacher. So? 
Hey, did you hear that so-and-so is going through it? Well, that's awful. That's about, that's about all it is. Am I my brother's keeper? What happens in their life is not my problem. It's not my issue. Hey, if you're saved and they're saved, it is. Hey, listen, I say this. If you're saved, even if they're not saved, it's your problem. Yes, sir. Hey, it behooves you as a Christian, as a witness for Jesus Christ. It behooves you to be concerned about what's going on in there. Hey, the Bible said in the book of Romans, weep with them that weep, rejoice with them that do rejoice. He didn't put no stipulations on that whether they were saved or lost. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Can you be touched with the infirmities of others? Oh, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I hope you are. I mean that with all my heart, with as, as all the sincerity that I can muster up in my heart. I hope you are genuinely a Christian. Can you be touched with the feelings of other people's firmities, infirmities? It happens. Stuff happens. Man. Hey, that's an attitude that you should take about men in general. But how much more about your brothers and sisters sitting right in here among you? You know who these people are? These are your kind. These are your kind. These are your kind. Somebody in here hurting? Hey, listen, some of you is private people, and I understand that. Tell me about it. I am related to Steve Irie. Those of you that know my daddy, know my dad is a private person. I'm just a private person, Brother Nathan. I don't like to put my business out there. I understand that. I fully understand that. Of course, don't say that and then go put everything on Facebook. I don't want nobody in my business. Then what you on Facebook for? Let me just say this. That's lying. You put your stuff on Facebook and then come to church and won't say anything about the hardship you're going through? Not asking you to complain. What we're asking is, hey, if you've got a need, grab somebody by the arm and say, listen, I need some prayer. You know what that will require? You know what that requires, brother? It requires some humility. I am not invincible. I am not Superman. I have problems just like everybody else in this church. I need you to pray for me. I'm not talking about confessing your sins. It's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, hey, I got a bill due, and I don't have the money to pay it. Would you pray with me? I'm not asking for a handout. I'm not asking for you to pay my bill. Of course, if you feel led, help yourself. But I'm not asking for you to pay my bill. But I really would appreciate if you prayed with me about it. Yes, sir. Requires some humility. Oh, I don't, I don't need them people down at the church. You will one day. You will one day. Hey, let me just say this, and then we'll move on with this sermon. God's people are the best. They are truly the best. I don't know of anybody down at Walmart that has ever offered to help you out in any capacity. I don't know of anybody down at the Masons that's ever offered to do that. Oh, Brother Nathan, don't you know that the Masons is a charitable organization and you can't talk bad about the Masons because everybody in Charlton County is a Masons. I, I don't care. 
I'm part of something better. You say what? The church of Jesus Christ. Go wear your weird hat if you want to. Amen. Now let me tell you something. Let me, let me give you three simple points really quickly on how to get right. That's what a backslidden man looks like. Let me tell you how to get right. First of all, take responsibility. Take responsibility. Let me put it in modern terms. Own it, man. Own it. It's you. It's you. Hey, you know nobody forced you to get backslidden. Nobody came to you and forced you to take a bad attitude towards God and towards God's people. Own it, man. Yes, sir. This boy left in, in Luke chapter 15. He left and it was voluntary. Daddy never came to him and said, you got to get out. The servants never came and pushed him out. He just said, I'm done. I want to leave. Okay. Well, then own it. You're not going to get right with God so long as you're a victim. You know what's killing America? Boy, it's real quiet. You're on the edge of your seat. It's a victim mentality. There's only two places where that's common right now. Colleges and prison. I didn't say that it was a sin to go to college. It's not what I'm saying. But people are teaching these young folks, we want a handout. We want a handout. One of our senators now, Democratic senators, is now uh, pushing for to, to eliminate uh, cash bail. So if you commit a crime, we'll just let you out. Don't worry about it. That's your minister, Senator Raphael Warnock. You say, Brother Nathan, you're not supposed to get political in the pulpit. You're supposed to preach the truth. You say, what is that? That's a, that's a society that says, gimme. Gimme. You never, hey, listen, you might get out of jail. You might get out of jail, but you'll never get right with God with that attitude. You'll never get close to God. Listen, getting out of jail without the presence of God in your life is not going to do you any good. It's not going to do you any good. You'll be free to go do whatever you want, and you'll be as miserable as the devil. Yes, sir. Take responsibility. I did it. God, I'm sorry. It's me. It's me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What keeps a lot of folks from getting right is that they're worried about every other thing than them and the Lord. Lord, oh, Peter, what shall this man do? Talking about John. This comes right on the heels of the Lord looking at Peter and saying, Peter, you love me? Oh, yes, sir. Lord, I love you. You know I love you. Peter, you love me? Oh, yes, sir, Lord. You know I love you. Peter, do you really love me? Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And right after that, he turns and looks at John and he says, what shall this man do? You know what the Lord said? If I will that he tarry until I come, what's that to thee? Why is that any of your business? You know why a lot of Christians don't get right with God sitting right in churches? It's because they're worried about everything else. Worried about what this guy's doing. Worried about what that guy, gal's doing. You get right first and then worry about what they're doing on your knees. God, I don't believe sister so-and-so's right. I don't believe brother so-and-so's right. God, help them. And then go about your way. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Don't worry about that stuff. 
Worry about it on your knees. The prodigal came home just as soon as he realized he didn't have to be away from the house. You can come home. Hey, if you're backsliding in here, nobody's stopping you from getting right with God except you. You say, Brother Nathan, I got a boyfriend. Brother Nathan, I got a girlfriend. Brother Nathan, I got this and I got that. You can, you can get right with God as soon as you make the right decisions about those things. Start taking the right attitude about that stuff. What got many a girl out of church was a stupid boyfriend. What got many a fella out of church was a stupid girlfriend. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I recommend you talk to your parents about that stuff. You won't go wrong talking to mom and daddy about it. Yes, sir. Mom and daddy know something about that. They've been married. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anyways, elder brother, hey, the elder brother, listen to me. The elder brother could have had a feast. He could have had a feast. Hey, why'd you do all this stuff for this guy? He went out and squandered everything, and you turned around and killed for him the fatted calf. I've been here the whole time. I never left. You never killed the fatted calf for me. You know what the father told him? All that I have is yours. You kill the fatted calf for you, man. Have at it. That boy could have had everything that he wanted if he'd have just realized he already had access to it. He could have had a feast. He could have had Thanksgiving every day. It's there. It's there. But like many Christians, they'll sit in church and, I really hate this place. I hate church. I hate preaching. I hate, I hate this stuff. Well, man, you could sit in here and be like the rest of these nuts and love every second of it. Yeah. Hallelujah, it's wonderful to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You could be that way. And when the elder brother, instead of getting right, you know what he did? He blamed it on his brother. I'm not right because of him. He stole my fatted calf. No, you stole your own fatted calf from you because you just wouldn't believe God. You wouldn't believe the Father. Let me say this. Take responsibility and let me say this. Make a move. Just move. Move. The boy made a plan. The prodigal out in the hog pen. Verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and will say. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. And verse 21. The son said. He made a plan. And he did it. Get with it. You say, well, I know, man. People start getting right with God, and then about a quarter of the way through, they quit. And you know what we often say? I've taken this attitude myself. They just don't have the character. They just don't have the character to get right with God. Maybe there's an element of truth to that. Maybe. But you know what I believe is a bigger truth? You know why the boy went home? He was hungry. You know why I believe a lot of folks ain't getting right with God? They're not hungry. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be, they're going to be filled. Hey, if you get hungry, you'll go home. Yes, sir. Did you know that when you get hungry, you start getting pains? You ever had those? Some of us don't know what it's like to be hungry. Hey, when you start, fast for eight hours, fast for 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, you start getting hunger pains. You know what will happen after a while? Ignore them. Ignore those hunger pains. You know what happens? They go away. 
A lot of Christians had got themselves in a situation to where they were hungry. Got far from God, they got hungry. And they just ignored those hunger pains. And what they don't realize now is that their body's going down, it's going in shutdown mode, trying to conserve every calorie that it can just to make it through. They don't realize their spiritual life is working the same way. Crisis mode. Hey, get in a fight with a fellow who's, who ain't had something to eat for seven days. You'll have a lot easier time whooping up on him than somebody that just ate his Wheaties for breakfast. Yes, sir. A lot of Christians ain't had no fellowship with God. Their body, their, their spiritual mindset is in shutdown mode. It's in crisis. When the world, the flesh, and the devil come to them, no victory. Make a move. Make a move. Go home. Go home. Go home. And then let me say this. Last of all, judge yourself. Self-judgment. I will arise, verse 18, go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. You know what he said? He said, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. Self-judgment produces the right attitude. You know what attitude it produces? That of a servant. This sister made the statement. She said, my parents were not sitters. They were servers. I was trying to, I was going to say doers, but I didn't know, I knew that wasn't right. They were not sitters. They were servers. Yes, sir. You know, you know what, you know what that, that's produced by an attitude of self-judgment. I'm unworthy. Hey, you deserve to be saved. You know what that should translate into? What do you want me to do, Lord? Ain't that what, ain't that what, who you know as Paul the Apostle? Ain't that what he said? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? It's not what saved him. But that's the natural attitude of a man who realizes, boy, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. God, what you want me to do? Well, I'm in church. whoop de doo It's good. I'm not trying to make light of it. But there's more to do. Yes, sir. There's plenty to do. There's plenty to do. You know what this elder brother said? I am a servant. Look at what he said. Lo, these many years do I serve thee. That's verse 29. These many years do I serve thee. He said, I am a servant. You know what this guy said in his mind? If you let me apply it this way, I believe it's a right application. He said, I'm at the place where the younger brother's trying to get back to. I don't need to get right. I'm where he's trying to get to. I'm a servant. I'm doing. You know what the boy lacked? You know what the elder brother lacked? The attitude. I'm unworthy. Hey, he was serving. You know what he lacked, though? I'm unworthy. And what that produced was a bitter, mean jerk. Let me say this, and I'll close. When the younger boy came home, he was more right with the father than the elder boy who never left. You know what it all had to do with? Just his attitude. It's just his attitude. Let me ask you something. You're right with God tonight? You say, oh, Brother Nathan, I never left church. What about your attitude? Brother Nathan, I never drank a beer. Me neither. What about your attitude? Brother Nathan, I never smoked dope. Me neither. What about your attitude? 
What about your attitude? Father, help us tonight. God, I know it's, Lord, been long. Lord, I pray you help us with these things. God, I really pray you help us, God, with the right attitude. Lord, we, we're so prone, God, as people, Lord, to justify ourselves. God, I really pray that you help us, God. Speak to us, Lord. God, move among us, Lord, here in this little invitation. God, Lord, no music here this evening, God. Lord, just, Lord, just folks doing business with you. God, I pray you help us, Lord. God, help us to have tender hearts towards you. Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Listen, if God spoke to your heart. Why don't you come tonight? Boy, you have to be so careful of your attitude. Make sure your attitude's right with the Lord. Do business with God as he leads.